0: This is the last Sunday that we're looking at signs of Jesus. Um, I'll get back to that in just a moment. Next Sunday, we're beginning a series that will run through the fall called Blessings or Living in Covenant. And the God that we serve, if you do not understand him from the foundation of what covenant is, then we have, we will, you will find that you have a, an understanding of God that's not full. It's not complete. Because the God that we serve is a covenant God. There's an old covenant. We call it the Old Testament. We have a new covenant that we call New Testament. Testament, covenant, same word. And we're going to figure out, going back behind that, what is a covenant? It's actually a blood covenant. And we're going to look at the elements of blood covenant and why it's such a big deal to God. How it worked in the Old Testament how it works in the New Testament. And I'm just, I want you to be aware that it's a very significant, I believe, piece of information to add to the discipleship of every one of us that want to follow God fully and truthfully. And so the next few weeks, I want you to come ready because I think it will be helpful and eye-opening in many ways as to what of serving a covenant God. All of, the, all of the scripture begins to be tied together when we understand the concept of covenant. So that will start next week. I want you to come and be a part of it. Today is ending the signs of Jesus. We have been looking at Jesus out of the gospel of John now for several weeks. We've looked at his power. There's uh, nothing outside of his ability. We've seen his ability over nature over physical ailments, how he can just speak the word or make some mud and put it on somebody's eyes and they see. We, we saw the great power of this one that we know as Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at the second part of the message that started last week out of John chapter 15, of vine and the branches illustration that Jesus was teaching his disciples. And as we were studying this in John, he said, there are those of us that our vines or branches from the vine, that our life is empty of fruit. It is not producing what we were designed to produce. God placed us here and one of, we found out last week that one of the main things that He wants to accomplish is that you become incredibly fruitful. Your life, every person sitting in here, God has a specific design For you, on your life, to be fruitful. And so, we understand that if we are here and we're fruitless, there's something wrong with our life. And we're going to look at some of those things. And then the second category had some fruit. Some lives here, uh, maybe it's representative of this basket, are a branch off of the vine... That produces some fruit. I don't know how to, how to judge that. I don't, I'm not even here to do that. But I will tell you that the Lord says that is not where I want you to remain. He's grateful for the fruit. But he says that's not what I've designed you for. That's not the fullness that I've designed in your life. Because he says he wanted us to be incredibly fruitful. And so we're going to find out today some of the techniques of the gardener, which is the Father. God the Father is the gardener. And His desire is for your life, your basket, to be overflowing with great, a great amount of fruit. And so those are the concepts we're going to be looking at today. I think the Scriptures are there to kind of give us question as to which basket represents me. Which one represents me? And we got to figure out how we get from fruitlessness to fruitfulness. And that's why he's wanting to tell his disciples at this time. We also saw that Jesus says that he is the one. He's the vine dresser. He's the one that's working on your life and on my life to produce, to coax from us fruitfulness. Um, To the branch with no fruit. We saw last time, it says in my translation, he cuts it off or takes away that branch. Now, I don't know about you, that, that bothered me, and it has bothered me for quite a long time. So I went back and did some uh, research on original words in this particular passage, because I said, Lord, um, how can, if we are hooked into you, we're truly of of your vine, if we're a branch that's hooked in, how then do you cut us off? How are we removed and thrown away? Well, uh, as I tore that apart a little bit more, it says, it sounds like the concept that if you don't produce fruit, if you're not being effective in the kingdom, that at some point the Lord gets rid of you. My, almost sounds like he stops believing in us and he stopped loving us and he cuts us off and we're removed or, and potentially you've even heard it taught as you're going to lose your salvation you're going to lose your relationship with God but, it doesn't, but that doesn't match up with some other passages of scripture that I've heard he will never leave you he says I'll never forsake you so that doesn't you understand my problem here? He also said in Ephesians, it is by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, because we'd be boasting about how full our basket is. So you understand my trouble with what this passage was dealing with. So I went back to that original word that my, my NIV translates as cuts off. Throws away. And in the word is arrow, A I R O, and it's better translated to take up or to lift up instead of to cut off or take away. The better translation is to take up or lift up. Like in Matthew chapter 14, where the disciples took up the 12 baskets remaining, same word. They took up the 12 baskets that were remaining after feeding the the 5,000. So I think the more clear translation is to lift up the branch that is without fruit. Why? There's a book written on this particular set of verses by Bruce Wilkinson that I was reading called Secrets of the Vine. Actually, Vicki Vicki was reading it to me on a trip we went on recently. And he told the story about, he said, I went to a a vine dresser in Southern California because he said I I wanted to find out what this is. So I'm going to read you a little section out of that book and let him tell the story of what it means to be lifted up instead of being cut off. He began to talk about the life of a grower. I'm just reading from the book. The long hours spent walking in the vineyard, tending the grapes, watching the fruit develop, and waiting for the perfect day To begin the harvest. New branches have a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground. I found that pretty interesting. But they don't bear fruit down there. When branches grow along the ground, the leaves get coated with dust. When it rains, that turns to mud and then turns into a mildew. The branches become sick and useless. Then the author asked, well, what do you do at that point? Do you cut it off? Do you throw it away? Oh, no, he exclaimed, the branch is much too valuable for that. We go through the vineyard with a bucket of water looking for those branches. We lift them up. We wash them off. Then we wrap them around the trellis or tie them to the trellis. And then pretty soon it will be thriving. So that comes that comes from a, a a gardener that actually deals with these crops all the time. I love some of that picture because I don't know about you i've I've found myself des, many times desirous of growing close to the ground where we want to live in our own control or we want to live in our own sin and we what we instead of going up we have a tendency to go down it says these small branches that grow out of, uh, out of the vine have a tendency to go out and then go down and get close to the ground I thought that's much like a picture of my life probably and then when the branch falls into the dirt he doesn't go along with nippers and, and cut it he actually t- takes it off washes it and then puts it up onto the trellis to guide its growth I like that picture don't you? Because I've been on the ground. Have you been dusty and dirty and mildewy and nonproductive? I've been there. But the, but the vine dresser sees that you as a branch are valuable. He knows if he can coax you into, into your proper place of health, you will bear much fruit on his behalf. So he's not quick to cut it off. He's quick to clean it and to tie it onto the trellis so it can grow. I love that picture not sure why we have a tendency to grow down toward the ground other than that's from where we came, probably. Um, so that's kind of the background that got us to here today. Would you stand with me and I want to read the word together one more time. We do this to honor the Lord and His word. And we're in John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine... And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, or he lifts up, if you will, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. Okay, there's another action, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Lord, we ask you today, as you said that you would send your spirit and you would lead us into all truth, that on this day, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying to Each of us individually. Lord, it's our desire. We don't want to be an empty basket, fruitless. And we don't want to just do a little bit. Lord, we truly desire to be a life that has abundant fruit for your kingdom. So show us today. Open our eyes. Let us see. Let us understand. And let us have a willing heart on this day to let you do your work in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The truth we found out last week is that if there is a clog in you being a branch, there's something that separates you from the vine, which is Jesus. Sorry, I forget. I have a microphone. If that that you are the branch and if there's a clog that gets between you and the vine, you will become weak and will not be able to produce any fruit. It will be the empty basket. We talked about this last week, that, that being one of the main blockers of our spiritual growth and effectiveness is unforgiveness. And we talked about the responsibility we have when, in the model prayer, where Jesus said, use this as a model. And when you pray, say, Lord, forgive me today, just like I forgive those who've sinned against me. So when if we hold a great deal of unforgiveness to a person or persons, it keeps us blocked. It keeps the, our branch from flowing in the fullness of the power of, of, of the vine, of Jesus flowing through us. So last week we spent quite a bit of time, we talked about getting rid of those areas of unforgiveness in our life. You think, many of us think that we can't do that because we've been hurt so severely, Uh, And so if I hold on to this, I'm going to be making that person that treated me bad pay for what they've done. What we don't realize is that does really nothing to them, but damages us severely. The unforgiveness. Matter of fact, I could go into another passage of scripture that talks about it turns into a root of bitterness. If you'll look at research on a root of bitterness, it's a corkscrew kind of root. So when you come and try to pull it out from the top, those are those roots, those uh, weeds that you pull off the top but you can't get the root because it has a corkscrew action going. And so that's what bitterness, I mean unforgiveness will turn into a root of bitterness and once it gets seeded in your life, you will not be able to bear fruit other than the weeds. You won't. It's those personalities that are now bitter, that are angry. They're, they find problems in the worst environment, I mean in the best environment. They find, they find difficulties wherever they are. They cause problems wherever they are because that's all that that root will produce out of them, them is bitterness. So forgiveness is vital to us being able to, be, to bear much fruit. The second truth that we find today is that if our life consistently bears no fruit, God will intervene and discipline us. If necessary, he will use painful measures to bring us to repentance. He may have to take us, a vine that wants to go down and get near the dirt. He may have to take us, cleanse us, and take that vine, and against our will, see our will may want to be going down toward the dirt, but he'll take that vine, he'll raise it up, and he'll tie it up or discipline it, put it in, onto a trellis and to guide its growth. It may not be something we like. It may be because it will go against our natural, what I want to have done tendency. But he will take us because he wants to get us to where we bear fruit. I found this often in working in student ministry, Spencer, for several years. And uh, over these years of ministry, I found out and I've watched long enough to know that the scripture talks about children, obey your parents, you know that one, in the Lord, because it comes with that promise that you'll have a long life. Well, that's the first level of a trellis for you being a branch, are your parents. And if you can learn to obey your parents, then that training will take you off out of the dirt, put you up on the, on the, on the trellis and begin to guide your growth. But if you rebel against that, I've found that the Lord goes to another level of authority or another another level of difficulty until he can get you to willfully give yourself to his guidance. And if you'll go there, fine. But if you rebel, he'll take you to the next level of authority. He goes from parents, I've watched this over years, to teachers, to police, to military, He'll take you to a higher level of authority as long as if we keep uh, removing ourselves from him, from his hand. He's wanting to cleanse us. Remember this. He's wanting to free us from the dust and the mud, the sin of our life, because he knows, he can see in you and in me that we can be a fruit-producing machine. He sees that for you. That's, his, that's, that's how he looks at you. So everything that doesn't do that, it's his plan to get rid of or to shape or to move it in some way because that is his desire that we become very fruitful. The Bible calls it discipline. You've heard the word chastening. It's a chastening when the Lord would do that. Discipline is what the Lord does when he reaches down, lifts us up, and begins to shape our life. Here's, what, here's how I can tell you. Hebrews chapter 12, 5. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart because it, it can be hurtful and discouraging when that's happening. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Do you hear that? How could a loving God let me go through this difficult time? Well, he's a dad. That just spanked your bottom to keep you out of the road. Okay, that's love. It doesn't feel like love when you're getting your bottom busted by a daddy, right? But that is what it's love. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you. Good news. He's treating you as a son. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, watch this, you are illegitimate children. Oh, and not true sons. That simply means that everyone here, that at some point along the journey, you got on your knees before God and asked Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you and to fill you, just became a child. You became a child of the Father. And the Father, along the journey, says He will raise us up, shape us, direct us, keep us going, discipline us. And He will use, uh, if I'm willing, if I'm submissive to His hand, all He does is lift us up, tie us, and say, keep going. If I rebel against it, I'm as a branch, I am not as strong as this gardener. He's going to win, right? He's going to pull me up and say you get in order, get in line because I need you to go out here you're going to produce much fruit. But he loves us. That's his motive. What do we learn out of this little thing here? It's fatherly discipline and he disciplines every one of us that are believers and it's always out of love. In a book I wrote and tell you just a little story about a time of my discipline we were in a church, um, is in its tenth year as a church plant. I'm like to tell you this story, it was, brings back too much pain, really, actually. We were out of space, the church was growing as effective. We had met in meetings outside about starting a capital fundraising campaign for the church because we were needing to build and add more space. And during that week, I'd never really had this before. I really felt like the Lord says, you, you, you are not to do this. You are not to take this step. And he took me to this passage in John 15. And he said, I'm going to take you through a time of pruning. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, Lord, the, this church needs it. That should tell you right offhand which way this is going. Okay, uh, so on that Sunday, I got up and said, guys, we, the Lord's blessing. Things are we're out, of, out of room, and we've got to build stuff. We've got to do something. We, gotta, we need to raise money, but the Lord's told me no, because he's about to take us through a season of pruning. <clears throat> and there was some church pruning. But I need to tell you that the largest portion of the pruning was in me. And me alone. Uh, I've had some physical pain in my day from different things, you know, hurt things, surgery things, and had physical pain. But the pain that I went through during this particular time was a pain that at times I hate to even confess. I just said, Lord, I'd really rather you just take me out. I don't, I can't feel this. I can't feel this pain level anymore. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing that without crying at this moment. But I'm telling you, I, under, I don't know how to help you understand the level. The physical pain, I, the worst physical pain I've ever had doesn't even get that close to the kind of loss and failure and emotional pain that I was feeling in those days. <clears throat> I saw a failure in my life. I... Uh, I felt a rejection. If do you know emotional rejection is the worst pain you can have? I felt rejection at almost an ultimate level. And it was in the midst of that time that this gardener named Jesus came and said three things to me. Specifically, not at the same time, but very close time. The first thing he said is this. Take your hands off my church. And you would think that would be a, like a discipline for me from the Lord. It was like a relief for me <clears throat> to think that we're responsible as pastors for the success and the life and the growth and the development of a church. And if we take on that, that's what I had taken on. I'd spent all my life thinking that's what it was the the role of the pastor, to make sure that church is a success. But then the Lord said to me, take your hands off my church. Because he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. He said, let me build my church. Then the second thing he says to me, your job is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'll add everything else. So that I'm sure those were spankings, but they felt more like, whew, for me, a relief. When God says, take your hands off, now I want you just to pursue me with all your heart and let me do everything else in the midst of it. Remember, it was the strongest pain I'd ever heard or I'd ever felt. What I didn't realize is that we can do this church thing, out of our own efforts. I mean, work hard. Give everything we've got to it because we want them to see the, the kingdom of God grow. We want to see the church prosper. We want to see it become healthy. So we'll give, and all a lot of us give and give and give and give everything we have. But I also found out we can do that in our flesh power without the spirit of God's power. And you know what I found out? If we produce something in the flesh, we have to carry it in the flesh. Even churches. If we produce everything we wanted to make happen, but we did it in our own power, we have to carry it. That's where I was. I was trying to carry and take the responsibility for the whole thing. And so when he said, take your hands off my church, boy. I said, yes, sir. And I'm very glad to do so. And thank you for letting me have permission to take my hands off. My vine had become sick. Didn't know it. I had no idea. So the vine dresser, on that day, instead of saying to that church, I'm going to take you guys and I'm going to cut some of you dead vines off. What he was saying was to that little preacher, I've got to cut off a bunch of stuff from you. So that you, I can build my church in such, I love this, in such a way that the gates of hell cannot slow it down. Do you understand? That is not the gates of hell coming after us. Do you hear that? It's, the, it's us going into the places that are hellish. And we go there and those gates that are built to stop the church from going can't stand against the church. As it goes out to where people are caught up in hellish things. We don't have to go there and be afraid. He says, I'll build a church in such a powerful way. They'll, they bow and bend and break over when you walk by because that's what I'm wanting to do. The third thing that I found after this is uh, the third thing the Lord wants to, us to know is that every branch that bears fruit, some fruit, he also prunes. You may have some good stuff going on in your life you might see some fruitful things happening but the lord says no that's not that's not what i designed you for it's part of it but i have greater things for you and then we look, begin to see what he says <clears throat> last monday i traveled to st louis and up, have you ever been up that way and you go by st james and you look over and there's vineyards on the left hand side and there's vineyards on the right hand side and <clears throat> I was going up through there Monday, and I was thinking, Lord, because uh, right now they, there's there's vines, there's there's branches on the trellises, there's a lot of leaves on them. But I remember going up at times, and there was nothing but this that that vine sticking out of the ground. There were no, and I asked the Lord about what is what's the difference in all of that. And so, as we were studying, getting ready for this. That I stopped and asked this vine dresser some questions. And I said, why are some seasons these vines are full of leaves and there's growth everywhere and it looks beautiful? What, what makes the difference in that? And there are other times that I've driven by that it looks like you've taken a chainsaw and cut everything off and, just let, and it just looked stark at that time. And then the vine dresser this week said these words to me. Really caught my attention. He said, I'm going to give you a principle for raising grapes. And here's what he said. We can either grow ourselves a lot of beautiful branches and leaves to fill up the trellis line. Or we can have the biggest, juiciest, sweetest grapes you would ever want. But we can't have both. You can either grow it to where it looks really beautiful, or you can, we can take it and have the pruning necessary to remove everything that is sucking life from the fruit production part of that plant. said, you can't have both. See, our life can have be leafy and I'll look full, and it, to everybody around us, they say, isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that beautiful? That's when they all take pictures of a vineyard. But he says, you can do that and leave it or, and it'll be beautiful, but you won't have much fruit. Or you let the vine dresser who goes through and cuts off everything that blocks the sun, everything that um, fights for the life that flows out of the vine, if it's extra. How many of you raised tomatoes? My dad used to talk about suckering tomatoes. Have you done that? You know, in the V of... of a plant, there'll be a little, another part grow, and you're supposed to pull or break that out because that just sucks life away from tomatoes. It was the same thing. He says, if you want to bear much fruit, you're going to have to let the vine dresser remove the unnecessary things from your life. And I think, I know that I find that very painful. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. He has to thin, he has to reduce, he has to cut everything that hinders our growth. He said the grapevines have a tendency to grow vigorously. They'll just grow and grow long and they'll grow full, but before long, all the sun is blocked and everything below that stops producing so here's the question what is it that is making up our life seems to be full of life but it is keeping us from abundant fruit production it's probably good things it's probably uh, fun things, wonderful things family things, church things, I don't know but what is it that we have in our life we use as an excuse to not bear fruit? Because, I man, I'd be there. I'd do that, but it's probably the thing that comes after the word but. Whatever fill in the blank after but comes this. So that may be something. The Lord may be saying, Would you, let, me, let me get rid of that for you. Let me prune that off for you. Because I desire you to bear fruit, not to look leafy but to bear much fruit. So this is the passage in the final of this series as the we've learned about who this Jesus is. This was his final teaching to his disciples. Probably one of the most important things that he was telling them as a church family. If discipline is about sin, God removing sin, pruning is about self-reduction. As a pastor during that season, I was reduced to far less than I thought was ever possible. Far less than I ever thought was possible. To where all you could do was try to, be, try, try to stand and to be faithful to what the word said. And then just take your hand off everything. And I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me because I want to be fruitful. So, as we conclude today, is there a clog of unforgiveness that needs to be taken care of? If there is, deal with that today. Are you a branch in Jesus that finds itself along the dirt? Vicky? command. Along the dirt. And you need to have the, the vine dresser come and pick that up. Let him take the... Let him bring the cleansing... And then give him permission to tie you to the trellis where he wants you to grow. In other words, can you submit to his hand? Question. Is your life outwardly full? Got everything you want. Rich. Lovely. But in reality, you've stopped bearing any fruit for the kingdom of God it may be time for you to say, Lord, take the hook. Remove from me everything you need to remove that I might bear much fruit.